There we go. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. Jeremiah 29. Is my mic not on? It's on? Okay. Can you hear me okay? No? They can't hear me. I'll turn it off and turn it back on again. How's that? Want to turn me up a little bit? Maybe the batteries are bad. I'll speak loud. How's that? If you get to where you can't hear me, would you put your hand over your ear like that? I'll just stick my tongue out at you and keep going, but at least I'll know that, <laughs> that you can't hear me. Uh, if you would like. It's an easy fix. It is. <laughs> I know if I had faith, I could just grab it and recharge them, right? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 29. The date is about 580 BC. The Israelis have been, the, the, chil the children of Israel have been in captive about 15 or 20 years to Babylon. There is a prophet in the land. The major prophet in the land is a fellow by the name of Jeremiah. And this book uh, he, he's considered the author of this book that bears his name. Uh, Jeremiah was quite a prophet. He served during the reign of five kings. But Jeremiah was a prophet of doom for the children of Israel. He had a scathing rebuke of its leaders and contempt for their idolatry. But Jeremiah loved his people. He really did. And his heart ached for them because he knew that Israel's salvation and deliverance from captivity would depended upon their people's faith and obedience to God. He knew that. And in Jeremiah 29, um, I'm going to read a few words from verse 1. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem. And so Jeremiah is writing a letter to the children of Israel who are in captivity. And in verse 10 of Jeremiah chapter 29, under the unction of the Holy of the Lord, Jeremiah, Jeremiah writes this. This is what the Lord says. You have been in Babylon for 70 years. I'm sorry, you will be in Babylon for 70 years. Thank you. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. So now they've been in, they've been in captivity. Can you hear me okay now? Okay, good. So they've been, you can't? Okay, uh, try turning on that black box. Just push the button. Let's see if that works. No? Ooh. Oh, guess what? Well, that's what you call OE in the electronic field. Or DE. Operator error or dumb operator, you know. <laughs> but anyway, we got it. Okay. So anyway, under the unction of the Lord, Jeremiah writes this. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Now, they'd already been in there about 20 
But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. And then all of a sudden, in verse 11, he writes this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans of good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, if you are a believer, God understands that Jesus hasn't changed, and neither has God. And so, and he's no respecter of persons. And so understand that God, just as he had a plan for the children of Israel, a plan of good and not of evil, God has a plan for you. It's a good plan. And God not only wants you to know that he has a plan for you, but God actually wants to reveal that plan to you. Now, there are a lot of Christians who believe that God has a plan for their life. Yeah, yeah, I know, Pastor. God has a plan for my life. I know that. And when I get to heaven, or someday maybe when I get to be an ultra, I don't know what an ultra Christian is, but when I get to be an ultra Christian or something, maybe I'll know what those plans are. Or they believe that God's plan is only for a certain select group of people. Maybe a Billy Graham or a C.S. Lewis or something like that. See, many Christians, most Christians, don't doubt God's abilities, but they doubt his willingness to use those abilities on their behalf. Most Christians uh, have the same mindset when it comes to God having a plan for their life. Yeah, I know God has a plan for my life. But they're not sold on the fact that God not only has a specific plan for their life, for their family, for their business, but if he does have a plan, they're not convinced that God really wants to share it with them. You know, brother, you never know what God's going to do. It's a mystery from the beginning of time. You know, but that's not true. The Bible tells us exactly the opposite of that. The Bible tells us that God not only has a plan for your life, he has secrets, but he is desirous to share those with us. Now, religious people who don't religious people who have listened to man's teachings and don't know the Bible and don't understand the covenant and our place in the covenant or non-Christians along with the devil are going to try to do their best to convince you of how unworthy you are. Why? Who do you think you are that God would want to share with you anything, any mysteries at all? I mean, who do you think you are? Or, well, you know, God's too busy to bother with someone like you. Doesn't matter that he gave a son for you. He's just too busy. But not only as a believer has God included us in the plans that he has, but he wants to share those plans with you 
especially as they concern you, your life, your future, your family, a business, anything that has to do with you, God is very desirous to share those plans with you. Church, life is real. Problems are real. Tragedy is real. Sickness and disease and loss of a job and loss of income is real. And no matter what our education, what our strength, what our skills, what our financial status, every one of us at some time or another will encounter problems that lie beyond our resources to solve. It's going to happen. And along with that realization, we also need to realize that there's a hope beyond ourselves. Amen. To put it in the modern day vernacular, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and that light is not the headlamp of an onrushing train. That's not what it is. There's a light beyond the darkness of our human limitations. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what gender you are. And sometimes, sometimes our problems in life uh, arise out of no fault of our own. Other times, we bring them on ourselves. But the nice thing is God loves us so much that he wants to show us a way out of all of those problems and all of those situations. God has a plan for your life. And when the problems of life come upon you, whether you're a young person, you know, I, I love talking with young people. And uh, one of the things I find out is when they get ready to graduate from high school, and I don't know if you can remember this. I know I graduated in 1959. And, uh, uh, and uh, I remember how scary that was. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't know God, I could have cared less. And so, but God would love to share his plans with you about your life and your future. And one of the reasons he would love to do that is simply because if you're a believer, you're family. You belong to the family of God. Hallelujah. And you know what? Every family has secrets good and bad and those secrets excuse me especially the good ones as a family member you get in on those secrets that nobody else would know about well it's the same thing if you're a child of God if you're a Christian if you've made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ you're a part of God's family and as a result of that, it entitles you with intimacy with God. And God invites us in his word to ask him about his secret plans for us. Now, let me stop here. When we talk about being the family of God, we have to understand the reality of this book. Okay? When the Lord talks about being a part of the family of God, and when it talks about things in this book, this isn't religious rhetoric. This is not some uh, denominational um, sayings. That isn't what it is. The things in this book are real. There is a spirit realm. God is a spirit. You're a spirit being. You live in a body. 
And when it talks about you being a member of the family of God, when you made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to what the bodies, listen to what the Bible says. And you know, there's a lot of times, and I don't mean this in a condescending way because I used to be this way. We have selective hearing when it comes to the Word of God. Well, I know the Bible says that, but, well, you know, that, well, you know. I mean, we either embrace it or we don't. How many of us, male or female, if we decided to enter into a covenant with a, a, a spouse, how many of us would put up with a spouse coming to you and saying, I don't want to use us men. If we were to come to you and say, yeah, I want to marry you, I'll tell you what. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays we'll be married, but Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and Saturday, I'm on my own, I go do what I want. How long do you think that would last? <laughs> sure. But you know, sometimes we do that to God as Christians. We believe some of it, but, well, you know, that sounds a little far-fetched. Listen, listen to what the Bible says about being a member of the family of God. 1 John 1, 12, or John 1, 12. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at this. We're called children of God. And that's who we really are. It's, but that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it had no idea who he was or what he was up to. When you made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God literally said, okay, I, you are now in my family. I adopt you into my family unless you were a Jew. Then it was for the Jews, they were automatically brought into the kingdom when they make a profession of faith. They're what you call messianic Jews. But you're brought into the family of God. You're his child. And you know what's neat about adoption? If you're adopted here today, if you were adopted by a family, you know what? My parents didn't have any choice when I was born. I mean, there I was, they could not send me back. That was it. And I remember, now this is a true story. My, when I went into the military, the bus that was taking me to boot camp happened to pass through the town where my mother was living. And she came down to the bus to meet me and she said, Owen, I had three girls and then I had you. You cured me of ever wanting another child as long as I live. And she was serious. I don't blame her because I know me. But in adoption, those parents had their selection of all these kids and they chose you. Think of that. Think of that. When you come to the Lord, he could have turned you down, but he didn't. Listen to what Galatians 4, 6 and 7 says. And because we are his sons, not only are we his sons, but listen to this. God has sent the spirit of his son, his Holy Spirit, into our hearts so that now we can rightly speak of God as our dear father. And these are not religious statements. 
These are true facts that literally took place when you made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You became part of his family. Part of his family. And just like your um, uh, natural father, when you were growing up, would protect you and go to bat for you, and your mom would, God will go to bat for you. And so these aren't religious statements. These are true facts. Your spirit was born of God, and you are now a child of the Most High God. And when God declares something, it's so throughout the whole universe. And so, as a member of God's family, you have the right and privilege of intimacy with God, and He actually encourages you to ask Him about your future and about things. Listen to this. I'm going to give you some scriptures. I, I want to change your thinking this morning about who you are as a child of God and what God wants for you. Psalm 25, 14. The Lord tells his secrets to those who respects them. And he tells them about and makes known to them about his covenant with him. Well, that's pretty plain. Good, uh, God's word says it this way. The Lord advises those who respects them. He reveals to them the intent of his promise. Look at Proverbs 3.32. God's secret counsel is with the righteous. Well, brother, that takes, leaves me out of it. You know. Now, see, you don't understand the Bible. There's that religious mentality. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. That when you became a child of God, when you made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you were declared by God, you can look it up, you were declared the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what happened. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite verses is in Colossians 3.3. It says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Did you know that when you blow it, God doesn't look at you. When you blow it in the natural, God doesn't look at that. Oh, what's the matter with you? He looks at your spirit man who is born of God. And that's what he sees. He says your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's all he can see. You're hidden in Christ. You're covered by the blood of the Lamb. How good is that? And that word there in the Hebrew, it says, God's secret. That word in the Hebrew means intimate deliberation. Secret plans is with the righteous. So if you're a child of God, whether you want to accept it or not, you've been declared the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah, but I blew it. That has See, there's a difference between holiness and righteousness. Let me explain Righteousness is what God declares you to be in right standing with Him when you become born again. Holiness is how you act. I've said this before. My last name is Childers. I was a member of the Childers family. And I know it's a shock, but I wasn't always perfect. I made mistakes, but I was still a Childers. I just wasn't a very obedient Childers. But He didn't kick me out. 
you've been declared. Look at Luke. Um, no, look at uh, Isaiah 45, 11. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, Ask of me things to come concerning my children. If you're a child of God, he's saying, Ask me. Ask me. Luke eleven nineteen. I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. And the reason I know it's Jesus is because it's in red in my Bible. I say to you, ask, and what you ask for will be given to you. Well, we either trust God's word or we don't. And what you are looking for, you will find. Knock, and the door you are knocking on will be opened to you. God's trying to get us to understand we don't have to live day by day, hour by hour. We can ask him for his wisdom and his advice and he wants to reveal it to us. Jeremiah 33, Isaiah 65, 24. Even before you're finished praying, I will answer you. Wow. And it's not... <laughs> It's not like we sometimes do. You know how sometimes someone will be talking to us? And I know you would never do this, but I've been guilty of it in the past. I'll be forming the answer in my mind and I'll interrupt them and give them my, you know, what I had to say. And it probably wasn't worth two cents, but, you know, it made me feel good. But God knows. And he's saying, look, if you're my child, before you even call, I'll answer. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great hidden things of which you are unaware. Let me say that again. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and hidden things of which you're not aware. God wants to, you're his child. He loves you, and he wants to reveal to you things in your life so he can help you. Uh, the New Living Translation on Jeremiah 33 says this, Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Wow. How good is that? Are, are, you, are you getting the picture of God and what he's like, this God we serve? My goodness, he's not... He's not, he wants to share with us gladly all things. It's not, no, you can't have door six. No, that's hidden from you. And from ages 45 to 65, I'm not going to tell you not, no. Well, you're just a teenager, you don't need to know that. No, yes. He's saying, call on me and I'll answer you. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. This is a scripture that is so misquoted by so many people. But it, it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared, future tense, for those who love him. See, brother. Oh, brother. Well, the mysteries of God, we just can't know them. Maybe if I get down and beat the pews and, and squabble and cry, God will show me something. 
No. Let's go to verse 10 and 11. But God through the Spirit shares us his secrets. For nothing is hidden from the Spirit of God. God is wanting to reveal things to us. We're his children. And he's a good God. Deuteronomy 29.9 The things of God reveals to us. Now get this. Are to us and to our children. And to our children. That's how much God loves you. He doesn't want to just share them with you. But he wants you to be able to pass them on to your children. Church, we live in some very confusing times. It can be very confusing knowing what's true and what isn't. One day this thing is harmful, the next day it's not. Today this product is good, next day it's not. Uh, you know, it's especially true about diets. You know, I mean this diet's good and a month later, no it's not, this diet's good. Where do we turn for the true answers? TV? Internet? You know if it's on the internet, it's oh, got to be true, right? What God is trying to do is get us to turn to Him. Turn to Him. Jeremiah, again, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets that you don't know anything about. God wants to reveal to you His plans. God has answers for your life. And He loves you. It doesn't matter how old you are. I wish when I would have been my last year in high school, I wish I would have known God. I didn't have godly parents. I wish I would have had that. It would have saved me a lot of years of sorrow. And if you're willing to go to God and call on Him, He will answer you. He will show you. But now, understand something. When you go to God, not if, when you go to God, I don't know why anybody in their right mind wouldn't want to go to God and ask them about things to come. But when we go to God, we have a responsibility. Number one, we have the responsibility to accept those plans. See, if God comes to us with plans, we've gotten our nose in a jam or something's going on and God comes to us with a plan and we go to God and we say, God, how do you feel about this? If we reject that plan, well, God, you know, that's pretty good, but, well, I don't see how that's going to work. Oh, Lord, that's just, I've never done it that way before, God. You know, I just, I, you know what's going to happen? God will stop confiding in you. Can you imagine when, um, Joshua took over from Moses and the first uh, village, town, whatever you want to call it that they, they come to is Jericho that huge wall city where they could, the walls were so thick they could drive chariots around them and uh, God says to Joshua now Joshua here's what I want you to do I want you to gather the people and I want you to march around the city once a day for six days. And everybody's to shut up. Nobody's to say a word. Now remember, Joshua fought side by side with Moses all those years. So he is a pretty good warrior. 
And on the seventh day, Joshua, you're going to march around the city seven times. And on the seventh time you get around, I want everybody just to shout. Blow the trumpet. Now, I don't know about you, but I know we have a former Marine here. That's not a very good battle plan for taking the enemy in the natural, is it? No. I don't know, it make any sense at all. Or the time when Gideon, they were outnumbered like 10 to 1, and, and he had these, uh, what was it, 3,000 or 30,000? And God said, 3,000, he said, now everybody that's afraid, send them home. And there was only 300 left. And they're already, the enemy was big. And he says, let's go to the stream and, and uh, we're going to go ahead and go to the stream and let everybody have water. And if they get down and lap like a dog, send them home. If they scoop it up like this and drink this way, keep them. And he winds up with 30 people. And he says, now Gideon, this is what you're going to do. I want you to surround the camp. Be very quiet, surround the camp. And you're going to take a picture. And inside the picture, you're going to have a candle. And when I tell you to, you're going to break the candles and you're going to break the picture and shout. Now that's really quite a, quite a, a battle plan, isn't it, Joel? I mean, those people got weapons. I'm standing here with a picture and a candle. See? But if we reject it, see, God's ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are higher. And if we reject it, if God comes to us and shows us things, and we reject it, then God's going to stop confiding on us. Anytime, whenever we allow ourselves to be only led by our five senses, Understand that you're blocking and, and limiting the power of God to work on your behalf. We are. Another responsibility we have is not only that we accept God's plan when we know it's from God, but the other thing is to ask Him for wisdom. Wisdom in the natural is correct usage of knowledge. Wisdom in the kingdom of God is correct usage of God's knowledge so that God receives the glory. And you know what? So many times, and I can tell you, I've been guilty of this. God will tell us to do something or reveal something to us, and we just, boy, oh yeah, okay. And we go off and do it without even stopping and saying, okay, God, you've revealed this to me. Now, what do you, how do you, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to just keep my mouth shut and pray about it? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to deal with this? I, I, I told you the story. We were living in South Texas, Sherry's hometown of Alice. It was a town of about 20-some thousand. We were involved in the local church there. We had a beautiful brick home, really, really beautiful. Beautiful yard and, and out back, we had a nice fenced-in yard. We had 11 trees in our front yard. And our, I'd even built my kids um, a tree house. And uh, out back, we, outside the yard, we had a place for a truck farm. I mean, it was really nice. And I was just beginning to get started and we were involved in the local church with the youth and, and, and things were going well and I had been praying and I really felt led of the Lord that the Lord wanted us 
to go on the road and be itinerant teachers and travel. And I thought, oh God, how am I going to ask my wife to give all this up? And this thing is gorgeous. How am I going to do that? And I didn't used to be, notice the way I said that, I didn't used to be, but I'm getting better. I didn't used to be very good when it came to patience and asking God for wisdom, but I asked him. And the Lord said, just wait, wait. And a month went by, nothing. Well, God, you know, uh, we, uh, you, God, God knew how long I'd waited. God knew what season of the year it was. God knew everything. You know, do you, ever, do you ever stop to think sometimes we tell God something that we think he may not know about a situation? God tells us to go do something. Yeah, God, I'd love to, but I don't have enough gas in my car. Well, he knows that. Two months went by, nothing. And about the middle of the third month, I was out spraying the um, driveway, getting the, the rocks off of it. And I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit and he said, now, wait a minute, there's nothing religious about this. I'm off spraying the rocks off of my driveway and my wife is sweeping off the porch. Now? I mean, there were no angels singing and, and I didn't hear, Leela wasn't playing the guitar in the background and get, you know, no! Now. And I said, you know, honey, I really believe the Lord's prompting us that we need to be itinerant teachers and we need to put everything in storage that we can't sell and we need to get rid of everything and go on the road. And my wife says, okay, that was it. But let me tell you something, God had already prepared the way. And for over three years, and I made up my mind, God, if, if you're going to call me to preach, I'm not going to call preachers and ask them. I won't do it. You either give it to me or it's not of you. But for three years, we never called anybody till we came off of the road. To this day, my kids are almost 50. Don't tell my daughters if they ever come here, I told you how old they are. But they still remember that time. We have a responsibility to not only agree with God's plan, but to ask him, God, what do you want me to do with this? If we don't, God will quit confiding in us. See, we live in some pretty tumultuous times. We have the fighting in Europe and we don't know what Russia's gonna do and we have, that could escalate. We have turmoil in the Middle East, boldness from China and North Korea. We have policies from an administration that creating havoc with our enemy, our economy, and could threaten our democracy. We literally have thousands of undocumented people coming across our borders, an increase in drug trafficking and death by overdoses. We're even seeing that in Montana. Violence in a lot of our larger streets. 
That makes no sense at all, just violence. And people of positions of authority that, and responsibility that are openly breaking the law with no fear of prosecution. But I want to assure you something this morning. You young people as well, God's in control. God's in control. He's got this thing. Man may think he did. Man without God gets pretty, pretty filled up with himself. And he thinks he's got this, but he doesn't. God's got it. And although he may not share with you all the minute details of his plan, God is desirous this morning, and I hope you've gotten the picture. He wants to share with you his plan for your life, for your future, for your family, for your business, your farm, your ranch, whatever it may be. He is desirous because he loves you. And he wants you to succeed in life. What parent, what grandparent does not want to see their son or their daughter succeed in life? Let me close with two scriptures. Isaiah 30 and 30, 21 says this. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you there will be a voice which will say, you need to go this way or you need to go that way. Well, you can't get any clearer than that. And then John 16, 13 says this. Jesus speaking says that the Holy Spirit who dwells within you when you become a believer, he'll not only lead and guide you into all truth, but he'll tell you the things he hears. As a child of God, you need to not be afraid to go in the morning or whenever and say, God, Father, Holy Spirit, what's the Father saying about this situation? What do I need to know? Well, he wouldn't. That's, that's, that's mankind trying to keep you from, from hearing from God. That's what that is. He'll lead and guide you into all truth. He'll tell you the things he hears. And the third one says he'll tell you or show you things to come. You know why? Because God loves you. And he wants you to succeed in life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us. And Lord, you love us unconditionally. I, I, I don't understand it, but I receive it. And I believe it. And you don't love us today and maybe not tomorrow. No, your love is, your word tells me your love is forever, is everlasting. And Lord, this morning, let us get a picture in our mind of a God who is desirous, who loves us and is desirous to show us the plans he has for us. Lord, you'll hold nothing back if we'll give you the opportunity. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.